Hello and welcome to episode 16.5 of the Never Heard of It podcast. This is our first mini episode and I'm joined by Sean Harwell. As usual. Hi, Craig. Hi, Sean. Sean, in this episode, we're going to keep things short. We're going to try to keep it to about 15 minutes, just talking about things that are topical, things you might want to know about. No, that's not true. I think it is true. I, I, there's a okay. lot I want to know about that we can't cover in our regular episodes, mm-hmm. which we hope you're listening to and enjoying. And maybe you're not caught up on those. That's cool. But uh, right. I think the sad, the sad reality is... We can't stop. Just another excuse to talk to each other. That's right. This is what our entire yeah. friendship is based on, and we've been getting along very well, so this is what happens. Sorry. So yeah, we're going to jump into it, and we, yeah, we're going to keep it short and sweet, and then um, by all means, we hope uh, you'll engage with some of these topics online, and you know where to find us. Mm. Um, Craig. Yeah. Last Sunday was the 2015 Oscars. Uh, was by it? The time, yeah, it was. I know. By the time people were listening to this, it's um, two weeks later almost. So it's practically, I mean, it might as well have not happened. We're in a completely different Oscar race now. I think so. I'm not I, sure anyone's going to remember. But anyway. Yeah. One little thing I did read today, actually, I thought was interesting about this year's Best Picture winner spotlight, Craig, is this. You may have not known. Spotlight only won one other Oscar, which was for Best Original Screenplay. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the first movie to win Best Picture and only one other Oscar since 1952's The Greatest Show on Earth. Really? Yeah. But the I Greatest say, Show on Earth had a script? I, I, I don't know <laughs> if it won Best Screenplay that year. Oh, but I it did, see. It did win Best Picture. Yes. But I will say and only one other. Okay, right. I, one thing I did I did like about the fact that Spotlight at least won Best Original Screenplay is that well, if it's the best picture, it should have the best story. Yeah, ideally. So if you were gonna win one other one, I feel like that's the one to win. Well, and I think I think you get right to the root of the problem with the Oscars that racism. Let's say one of the problems with the Oscars. Okay, yeah, which is yeah, if you say that this is the best movie. But it didn't have the best actors or the best writers or the best director <laughs> or the best editing. It just had best How everything else. There? Yeah. It's almost like the Oscars are not really a judge of what's good or not in the world of film art. How dare you say that? I know. It's just, it's, I'm <laughs> contradictory that way. Well, they spread the love this year for sure. And on that note, I think let's, let's put on our future predicting hats and let's talk about some of the movies they might be up for big, big money next year. Yeah, I think uh, this is going to be a, a podcast people are going to look back to in about a year and be pretty astounded with some I, of these picks. I don't know how um, that wouldn't be. Your pick for Best Picture 2016. Best Picture, I'm calling it right now. I'm not even sure if this is being released this year. <laughs> and that's going to be that's gonna be it's probably its main challenge. That's the only thing against it, possibly. Right. That's the only thing against it right now. Um, I'm calling Birth of a Nation. Okay, it is being released this, this year. I have heard about it. Yeah. Huge reaction at Sundance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, looks really good, looks really interesting, and, and super, super powerful. I'm very excited to see it. Yeah. My pick, I'm going to go slightly home team, and basically just because I want this to be the best picture, and that's Jeff Nichols' Midnight Special, which is coming out very, very soon. Yeah, uh, Michael Shannon, Joel Edgerton, Kirsten Dunst. Very, very excited to see that one. 
Um, one that was on my list too. It's that on your that list? could give okay. Birth of a Nation run for its money. Um, we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know after this year. <laughs> uh, exactly. We definitely will see. Only other pick I'm going to make is, again, a hopeful one, and that's for Best Animated Feature. Ah, uh, I wonder if we have the same pick. That's okay. the only other one I picked. Okay, good. You go first, then. I mean, I think it's, it'll just be Finding Dory, won't it? I absolutely love Finding Nemo. That's one of the yeah. few movies that my daughter watches over and over that I, every time I see it, I find something new to love about it. Mm-hmm. But, I, but, but that's not my pick. Oh. I have to say, the more I see of this Zootopia movie, have you seen these trailers at all? Uh, I have definitely seen the Sloth trailer, which killed me. That Sloth DMV scene is yeah. unbelievably good. Yeah. If you have not seen this yet, we've got to post it online or go watch it. I'm, I'm hoping that the rest of the movie could possibly be that funny. Me too. If it is, I think it will give... Finding Dory a run for its money. Well, because let's face it, certainly you and me are in the position where we're definitely going to be watching that movie at least once. <laughs> that will be the yeah. If that not will be for the, one the rest we do of the see year. this year, right in time. Yeah. Um, apparently, with that movie, originally it focused on the fox character. Oh. And then somewhere along the line, after they were, I think, pretty well down the road, they decided, no, 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 we can't make this about him. Like that's not. Hmm. It's not the way this show is going to this movie's going to work so they rejiggered the whole thing to focus on the bunny character. And I have to say the sloth trailer I like a lot, but every other trailer so far I can't tell what's happening in this story. I don't I have no yeah, idea what the story is. I don't is. know either. I kind of right. don't care as long as it's half as funny as that scene. Fair enough. Okay, so are we uh done with the red carpet here? We can we can I think we're done. Oscars. Those are the predictions. Everybody keep this Keep this podcast near nearby at all times. All right, let's move on here a little bit. Yeah. Um, one one bit of news that I wanted to mention was um, I read today that uh, Blood Simple, the Coen Brothers' first movie, is um, being prepped by Criterion for, I guess, a future Blu-ray release, which is pretty exciting. Um, yeah, uh, it's always nice to see their movies given that kind of treatment. Um, I know Inside Lewin Davis just came out on Criterion. I have not picked that up yet, but I definitely want to do that. And then in other Coen Brothers things, um, you and I found ourselves in a discussion on Facebook um, with a friend of ours, Chad Hanley, about the lack of diversity in their movies. And I don't know, kind of talking through it, I was, I had to just kind of admit, yeah, you know what? That, that, that's a pretty all-white cast down the board um, yeah. with very few exceptions. And I think our biggest... Lament was there's so many good actors of color that seem like they could fit into the world of the Coen brothers and everything that they do, and specifically just some of these movies. Um, yeah. That I don't know, I, I, it kind of made me at the same while well, it made me depressed, it made me excited about thinking, okay, like which one of these movies could we do that to? And so I asked you to maybe think about this a little bit if there's anybody of color that you would plug into a Coen brothers movie and swap somebody out. Um, do you have an answer for that? Is there somebody you thought of in particular? Well, I mean, there is, there's one person that I brought up in that same discussion, but I did not think about him in terms of, like, Specific specifically a, a movie. So Okay. Well, who, who is it? Give me one second. Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Where I feel like Eddie Murphy firing on all cylinders would be incredible in a number of these movies i think so i mean he's such a quick deliverer 
of yeah. his lines. Um, and gosh, they've got so many movies that are just littered with that kind of speedy dialogue. Um, He's got so much more range than I feel like we've ever really gotten to see. Well, um, here's one, um, and maybe it's a bit of a softball because I don't think it's their best movie, but uh, what about him in, as the Clooney character in Intolerable Cruelty? Have you? I've never seen that. Okay. Um, I like that movie a lot, actually. It's, it's not, I mean, it's like a, it's a weird rom-com mm-hmm. about divorce, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think he could kill that. Mine actually is not, I don't know, I don't think it's too terribly far removed as far as the type of actor. Um, I was thinking, what about Jamie Foxx as the Clooney character in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Um, I, I think, A, Jamie Foxx is he's like super funny. You know, obviously, yeah. like I knew him from In Living Color and Booty Call um, right, before, right, right. You know, obviously, Ray and everything. But I don't know. I feel like actually having, uh, you know, specifically a black actor as the lead in that movie who's breaking out of prison. Yeah. And the, the clan is already involved in that movie. Like, it just adds like another layer of, of danger, I think, and just kind of interest. And I like then. That. Um, I so thought, you know, what about like Lawrence Fishburne as the Goodman character in Inside Lewin Davis, which was a very yeah. small part, but... And yeah, I mean, there there's one of those roles where it almost feels like... Because he was a jazz musician too, right? Why? Yeah, why was... I mean, that's big neon arrows pointing at a character saying, this doesn't have to be a white guy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Goodman's great in it, but... Sure. Yeah, it's really, that's, that's pretty bizarre. Uh, I try to think of somebody to replace Bridges and Lebowski that would give you, like, it's impossible. I mean, it's really, really difficult to think of somebody that would, yeah. you know, without completely rewriting that character. But I did kind of wonder, No Country for Old Men, maybe actually you could do something interesting there with Josh Brolin being replaced by somebody like uh, an Idris Elba or Chuatel, sure. Sergio Four. Um, or at least Woody Harrelson's character could be replaced... Yeah, but I, I think it's kind of interesting even just to think about like the lead, like specifically sure. in that instance, I didn't, I had forgotten about Josh Brolin since the Goonies. Um, and so it's not like they took somebody who already had like the cachet of a George Clooney right. um, for that character. And then, but, but seeing an African-American in that sort of Texas backdrop, I think is kind of cool like yeah. to see what that would, would look like. Um, so I don't know, something to think about if you have opinions or ideas of recasting the Coen Brothers movies, uh, let us hear about it. Fuller House. Craig, are you watching Fuller House on Netflix? Uh, I never I never watched Full House. I have no desire to watch Fuller House. Your house is full already? Oh, man, well, yeah. My house has been full all my life. Um, I think it's been out a week and a half or two weeks, maybe, on Netflix. I haven't seen it yet myself. Um, I did watch the original... I felt like I had cooler taste than that, and I still found myself watching it as a kid. <laughs> I probably didn't. Um, it's been picked up already for a second season, so you're getting more of it. Um, the one thing I wanted to kind of talk to you about was just, is this the sign of, like, are we at peak nostalgia? I mean, it feels like we got to be getting close. Um, I mean, I think, it, 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 at least in terms of, I guess, our generation. Yeah. Yes. Like, like at some point, we're we're going to have saturated that or maybe we don't. I mean, maybe, maybe as, as our whole generation gets older, you just keep, all you do is look for the stuff that you liked when you were a kid and you just start only paying attention to that for the rest of your life. Because, I mean, certainly I think, my uh, grandparents only wanted to watch 
you know, Dick Van Dyke and stuff like that. So it's just like... And Bonanza. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Is there another is, is there a sitcom that you would ever like to see revived? Come back? Um, yeah. Um, I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, feel like, I feel like most of the sitcoms from my childhood are so completely destroyed now, mainly because, like, people went crazy, they're dead... Yeah, they're on drugs now. It's it's like it's like a lot of very sad stories of like child actors. Maybe Silver Spoons could possibly yeah, be something that wouldn't be could. completely depressing. Um, I, th- I feel like uh, Fresh Prince could be interesting because of you know you still have the issues of race and money and you know yeah uh, fitting in that very yeah. very specific society. And I mean, who wouldn't love to see kind of like those actors? True. I mean, well, I, I should say who wouldn't. I don't really want to. Right. Don't get I mean, me wrong. That's really would, the thing. I mean, I, I liked that show. I watched it. But if if they did, like, The Fresh Prince Returns, like, I don't think I would watch an episode of it. I, I'm, <laughs> you probably wouldn't. Yeah. The kids might. I don't know. Um, I wish there was I'm more gonna, of a pool. I'm going to guess that Family Matters will happen. Uh, I think we're going to see the rise of Urkel again. Oh, Yeah. I mean, if 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 Full House is doing it, I don't. I have no idea why that hasn't already happened. Yeah, and Pee Wee's coming back too, you know, which is very very yeah. different. But also, like that, you know, there's something to that nerd character of that Urkel. I think that kind of, I don't know. I think yeah. it's happening. I think it's going to come. I wouldn't um, mind if they brought back Amazing Stories, but that's not really the same thing. I think they are, Craig. I what? think that's happening too. Yes, I think so. All my dreams are coming true. Um, last thing I want to talk about was, uh, A, I found a, I say I found, I'm sure it's been out forever. Um, I heard about a site that's kind of cool. We're checking out decider.com. Um, it's it's sort of built specifically for helping you figure out what the hell to watch on your Roku and various devices and all the streaming things. Um, but it also has a bit of news around it. And, um, uh, they had a link to an article about uh, Andrew Jarecki, who was the director of The Jinx and um, Capturing the Freedmans, I think. Um, I don't know if you've seen either of those. Documentary filmmaker. He recently said something, I guess he was criticizing the filmmakers of Making a Murder, which is obviously this huge hit show on Netflix, which I understand you have not seen, correct? That is correct. Um I just finished watching it as long ago. It's very, very interesting. Again, this is news of three months ago. I know that everybody else has seen it, but he is criticizing them for something I thought was kind of interesting to maybe just discuss for five seconds here by claiming that he had a bad feeling after watching this because they did not provide an alternative, uh, an alternative to the story that the police provided. As in, they didn't, the filmmakers did not openly suggest who else may have killed this person that Stephen Avery, the subject of making a murderer, went to jail for. Right. And that got me thinking, well, is it... Because you work on a lot of these true crime things, is it really the responsibility of a documentary filmmaker to (laughs) solve a crime? Right. Well, I mean, uh, no. I mean, certainly the stuff that I work on, the crime has been solved for a while. Right. So we're not doing and, any investigative journalism. And yeah. and to be fair, though, I think he would also enjoy our stories because we have lots of different suspects. Mm-hmm. And then we narrow it down to one. So it's not really ever a thing that I am up against. Hopefully someday 
I wonder too about the responsibility of you know if you're gonna even suggest that someone else may have committed a crime to specifically point the finger at someone, right. even whether you name them or not, that's a pretty big thing to do. Like you're yeah. you know I mean and because in this case you're talking about somebody that's being accused of a crime that's saying they're innocent. So you're, in essence, accusing someone else of a crime, which is sort of, it seems like what Jarecki is is wanting this show to do. So, I don't know. I felt like there's a bit of a rub there, but it's an interesting subject for yeah. documentary filmmakers, for sure. Um, kind of where they draw that line. and, and I mean, I, I don't know how that could be your responsibility. Yeah. Because, I mean, you, you have to follow the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's super cool if you figure it out, but I don't know. That, yeah. that's, that's kind of an odd criticism. I don't know. I think maybe we'll wrap up this episode, unless there's anything else you want to add to it. No, I think we uh, did our jobs and uh, have edified our audience appropriately. I think so. Well said. Um Episode 16, again, is out right now. The Veil, uh, the horror classic. A lot of you are piping up saying that you've actually seen this, which is great, and that you've listened to it already. Thank you for listening, of course. And uh, we'll be back next time with another full episode. That's right. Keep your ears open and your uh, mouth closed. Yep. Yep.